Hello. Hello, Marilyn. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Good, good, good. Pretty good, pretty tired. Yeah, I'm tired too. Oh, God. <laughs> why Why so tired? I don't know. A, nobody cares. I got I got busy and I'm hating it. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't mind being time constrained. I don't like being busy. I also had a had a, you know, I I uh, I would call it a dream. I have uh, dreams, <laughs> and I have what I call night thoughts. Okay. And a, a dream is usually like a made up story that somebody says, "Oh, and you were there, but it wasn't you," and all that BS. But night thoughts are just some kind of thing that comes into your head. You know, are you conscious like, or unconscious when that's happening? Am I conscious or unconscious? during the night thoughts? Are you sleep or are you awake? Well, thoughts. I'm in the same sort of like liminal state as when one is dreaming. I see. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, I had a really good one lately. I'll read you. Um, no, but la- last night I had this. I don't know why I had a night thought. And I was remembering the old um, uh, Andy Griffith show. Did you, did you watch that when you were a kid? Of course I did. Yeah. So um, you'd, uh, you'd roll in to go see Freud the Barber. <laughs> Floyd, Floyd, uh, you just you just wander in, you know, just go in, yeah. sit in a chair, and, and and I think people got haircuts approximately five times a week. Why they not? Always if, it's, a haircut. if it's free, you know, it's just I a don't good know if company. It's free, I bet it was. I bet it was fifteen cents. It would be my. <laughs> but the point is, you just wander in and get a haircut. Everybody on the Andy Griffith show, indeed, one imagines everyone, every man in the Andy Griffith era, always had exactly the same haircut. Yeah, as the haircut they had before, because it's so maintained. Yes. They're basically just constantly giving you a trim. I, I have, just based on my extensive knowledge of the 40s and 50s, which comes mm-hmm. exclusively from TV, Yeah, it seems like men, women got their hair done frequently, they, which meant, you know, getting it, sitting under the thing with the curling iron in and, and all of the, the air blowing and all that stuff. And men went in for a shave and a haircut very frequently. That that was oh, yeah. a thing that you just, you might do that on your way back from lunch. And there's not a lot. It's you might not, do it because you just wanted to finish your ice cream cone and have wanted somewhere to sit. Need a little extra time. And your friends yeah. are going to be there. You know, you sit down and all they're doing, they're just, they're not really doing it. You just, they're just tick, 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 tick around with the scissors, tick, 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 you know, and just cleaning, just cleaning up. But if you do that every week, you don't have to go through the ordeal that is That's a modern exactly. day haircut. Well, yeah, my mom, I want to say the phrase we would use is you get your hair done. She would get her hair done usually once a week. It Mm -hmm. would be like a, it could be some, a little bit of cutting. It could be some coloration. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your, your very strange explanation of the tools involved. Uh, I I think uh, it involves sitting under a hairdryer with a magazine, et cetera. But anyway, I don't know. And I found myself yearning for that. Not so much yearning for the Jim Crow South, but for the ability to just wander into a room and, and have exactly the same haircut all the time. I, I found myself craving that because I looked in the mirror and I'm due for another COVID haircut. Uh-huh. And right now, I'm going to say what I have. I'm going to describe what I have as Soviet satellite hair. Not Sputnik, uh, okay. but one of the Soviet sta- satellite states. I look like a Romanian dissident. I look a little bit, I look like a, uh, uh, an unkempt Serb, possibly. But, you know, I got kind of, kind of, kind of big, uh, a big, big point to hear. But you know what? Maybe it is like Sputnik, but I'm not loving it. And also, you know, sometimes you want a place to lay down and you could be like, uh, what's his name? Not Clarence. Who's the guy? Who's the guy who lets himself in the jail cell? What was his name? What was his name? Epstein? 
Epstein. No, you're thinking of <laughs> Mr. Cotter. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. No, um. <laughs> who's not, not so? Freud was the barber. Who, who was the guy that let himself into the cell? Uh, the, the we called him a drunk. That seems a little. Uh, no, I know who you. I know who you mean. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Morris? No, he was in the Bee Gees. What was his <laughs> name? Um, it's not Clarence the barber. It's not. It's not Freud the drunk. What? What was his name? I anyway, don't it's not know. Important it. to the story. I don't know. Soviet satellite hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Uh, I have a couple things. You have a thing. Um, let me see if I can find this really good one I recently had. And I looked at, yeah. um, I looked at, you know, all the links you put in a bunch of oh, links. Oh, oh yeah. Any of that, any of that seem interesting? Yeah, definitely. I, I have a little, um, before we do that, I had a little news. I know this is something that I don't think that we got to talk about on this show before, uh-huh. but there was a, a lawsuit, uh, between, I'm trying to look at the name of the band, Taurus or something like that, yeah. and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. about Stairway yeah, to yeah. Heaven. Yeah, so you go and you listen to that beginning. They had so Led Zeppelin had toured or at least done some shows with this band. I think called Taurus. Okay, Taurus. I'm looking this up and now I'll put this in the show notes. That's the song. The song was called Taurus. I thought it was oh. the band. I thought that was the band. <laughs> I did too, but it says it is, it, it, the <laughs> opening to Stairway to Heaven is, to my ears, very close to a few bars from a song that Jimmy Page definitely heard live several times. Yeah, because they toured together and it says... Um, the This has okay. been going on for years. Randy Wolf and the US yes. band is named Spirit and the song was called Taurus. And Taurus. apparently Wolf. Wolf performed as Randy California. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that sounds like a character on like late 80s MTV. <laughs> <laughs> he... He drowned, unfortunately drowned in 97. Um, That's a shame. So this is brought by his estate and basically, um, you know, Jimmy Page is like, well, I never heard the song until recently, but they toured together and it's clear that they had heard it. And, you know, whether, whether this was an intentional, I like to think that Jimmy Page probably heard it. And it just sort of crept into his subconscious mind. And so when he decided years later mm. to write Stairway, mm. Mm. that it came out. I like to think Any that. other person, any other person, maybe. Jimmy Page, give me a break. Mm. I mean, he didn't credit so many people on the first Led Zeppelin album. I said He's I like to think that. a Willie Dixon song. I like to think it. But, I like um, to think that too. But uh, but in reality, probably he he heard it and liked it and said, nobody's heard of of we, Taurus uh, well, or okay, Spirit. I, 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 here's the thing. I have written Back on the Chain Gang by the Pretenders <laughs> on three separate occasions. Did I steal it? I did not. I've written that three-chord chord progression that they got mostly probably from the Kinks, but I even wrote that lead line. And like, hmm, boy, this is really good. I don't know where I got this from. Or you take George Harrison. And I think the the settlement or the, the thing that happened with My Sweet Lord was uh, oh, yeah. you know, a real... Um, well, I mean, it was a kind of double-edged sword. On the one hand, they said, yeah, we don't think you deliberately stole this deliberately from He's So Fine, but you definitely stole it from He's So Fine. Like, it was might have been unconscious, but that doesn't make it any less. Right. And he was found, uh, George Harrison was found guilty of yeah, that one. I think he had to fork a lot of it over, if not all. Yeah, well, Zeppelin came out on top for this. That's right. And and so Just that now, came like down today. to the Supreme Court uh, deciding not to take the case. Was that it? I think so. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's interesting. I just, I feel like our, our listeners care about Zeppelin and, um, and it's interesting because 
would it be different if Randy California was still around saying, I wrote this, oh, as opposed to the trustees of his estate? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, I get it. It's interesting. Uh, um, I can't promise. I, don't, I try not to overpromise for these things. I will try to find um, a really good Adam Neely video, um, uh, the, the guy on YouTube that I like, uh, who talks about this in the context of, I want to say, a Katy Perry song. They're basically saying like you can't copyright. There's been a bunch of good videos about this. Like you can't copyright a chord progression. You can't copyright a feel. You can't copyright. You know what I mean? There's like just because these things sound the same. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean they are the same. Uh, my question but, for you, Merlin, is yeah. eventually won't won't musicians? Maybe this is more a question for uh, for John Roderick. Won't it? No, it's a question for me. I play guitar. Use won't they eventually run out of notes and there won't be any left yes. and everything will just be you know there's only a certain number of notes to play. Once yeah. those have all been played, then no one else can play them. So eventually it's all a copyright I mean, violation. I have to imagine that's the case. This was brought up by, uh, I believe uh, uh, this was brought up by a, a, a famous member of royalty in, uh, in Austria. And this was his concern with using too many notes. If you don't conserve some of the notes for the future, if Amadeus goes out there and uses all the notes, I call him Mozart. He, he goes and uses all the notes. There's no notes for anybody else to use. Now what's Salieri going to do? Uh, we just finished that movie. It's been great. So <laughs> Senor. <laughs> the, the other thing though is like, what if I just wrote a song that has all the notes in it and then I come out with the song. Now I own all the notes. Is that how it works? Mm -hmm. I've got them all now in my song. Yeah, what you do is you put all the notes in, in an envelope, you mail it to yourself and you never open it. Never open it. And that's called castle doctrine. <laughs> castle doctrine. So we watched, we watched Immortal Beloved first because I felt like you can't show that second. It's not as good. I'll be honest. I love. Yep. It's like bombshell and loudest voice in the room. You got to be real careful what order you watch. Those yeah. I, lo I love that movie. I thought it was great. I love Gary Oldman. I love his performance in it, but you can't show that after Amadeus. You have to show it first because then otherwise it won't be great. So it's I like showed him hunger games after battle Royale. It's like, <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> so let me get this right. She swears. She'd never even heard of battle Royale. <laughs> really? Yeah. You ever seen that? Yes. Jesus, I love that movie. But we did. And so how'd it go? Amadeus. How'd it go with that uh, cash? He loved it. He loved Amadeus. I knew he would. He loved it. He's very, you know, at the top of, on, on an Apple TV screen, on the top right, when you're looking at, you know, a show or whatever, it'll, it'll, some of them will show the little, like, um, the Rotten Tomatoes and the popcorn scores. If they're it's low... They he will be it. very suspect nope. of the movie and won't want to watch. Dad, this only got a 57. I'm like, yeah, right. but trust me, you're going to like it. Well, okay, but it only, I'm like, yes, you'll still like the it. The phrase in our house would be, oh, this only got 57 tomatoes. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And, but, but he, uh, yeah, but that's so frustrating though, because man, like that might be true eight times out of 10. Or as you like to say, four times out of five. But <laughs> but you're going to miss out on a good one because you're too obsessed with the tomatoes. Like, don't miss a good thing because, like, some normie didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, we, we watched it, uh, and uh, he, he loved it. And uh, Stancy's uh, boobs are out. Yes. But that was okay. That was fine. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but we have more booby content last week, I think, than probably any episode we've ever done. For maybe, sure. Maybe even cumulatively over... Uh, 498 episodes possible. But we, we uh, watched the director's cut of this movie, hmm. which has 20 minutes of restored 
scenes that had originally been cut. And so I read an article, an interview with the director about the time that he came out with the director's cut version of it. And he had said that, you know, this was back in a time when he's like, we were making a movie about classical music and a composer who'd been dead for hundreds of years. And, you know, he like compared to the other movies that were coming out at the time. And he's like, and here we had this three hour long movie that we didn't know if anyone was going to see. They had no idea it would win literally every award in every country for about, every. Oh, I'm sorry, you talking about Amadeus? Or, yeah, uh, Amadeus. Oh, Amadeus. okay, Milos Forman. Yeah, okay. And really uh, interesting. Yeah, and so so he's like, so we were in agreement that we had to cut a bunch of it, and it was still like a two and a half hour movie, which was considered way too long. But when he's like, so what I did is when I restored it, he's like, I returned it to what was the original script, and there's like 20 minutes of additional material in there. Um, then I think I think that's a it, it didn't feel like too long of a movie to me by current standards. I think you know compared to like Infinity War, which was eight hours, this didn't feel like long. so long. Just so, the first one, yeah. I um I feel like obviously this differs hugely from um, studio to studio, director to director, um, like fan to fan. But I do feel like the the thought on expanded edition director's edition has kind of changed a little bit over time it's one thing to say well you know um terry gilliam got a pretty raw deal with the studio's edit of brazil and by pretty raw i mean inexcusable like what they did to that movie is really bad um but does that mean that like a restoration or director's cut makes it better i don't know um obviously there's a certain director that does stuff with dc where there's a lot of discussion about trying to get this version of one movie (laughs) that he has but Uh i feel like i read something i want to say it was about alien um but where the quote-unquote director's cut i think in the end ridley scott likes the theatrical version better because i there's also i feel like there's pressure from the studios to put out a new version calling it the whatever cut or the whatever edition you know what i mean like you know of course everybody you know you hate to like kill your darlings but what gets up and on the screen you know, you come back to that, what, five, ten years later and go, ooh, well, finally I get to restore all this stuff. And in some cases, like in the case of The Godfather, mm. there's some really great stuff that they ended up cutting out that they restored for the, um, you know, the TV version uh, that Coppola supervised. But I don't think it always makes it better. And I, I want to say, I'd have to look this up, but I believe Ridley Scott said that he actually prefers the theatrical to the director's cut. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But if it's just to like... You know, I want that there should control. be some kind of disclaimer, Merlin. There should be something that says what the director prefers as a little byline. I don't prefer this version on like the director's cut. Even though it's the director's cut, I don't like it as much. And that should be on the cover of the thing when you go to buy it or rent it. Also, yeah, that's right. You should have to read it. You should have to read it out loud. <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. That's a good idea. Um... Let's see. Here's a good one. Uh, last week, I lost the recipe for blankets and for my father. Uh, this is a night thought, a dream slash night thought. Mm. Last, last week, I lost the recipe for blankets and for my father. The COVID plants and plant pots are missing, but they still smell. The truth is we never found the rocks after we moved, plus the rocks and beads dissolved from international disuse and pleurisy. Mm. The plywood restroom at the old dream school is dark and still narrated by Ira Flato. Everyone is in my way, and I'm out here trying to save the universe. A sidewalk is a contract. So I sigh, as I do, very rhythmic parkour all over your family. One morning, all the people under a certain height just disappeared, and it was the saddest loss. They were so little, and they all loved wearing hats. 
<clears throat> so I should get more sleep. Yeah. Now, are you, when you're writing this stuff, are you in the dream state? Are you conscious? Is this right after you open your eyes to write it? Is this a recollection? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was on a podcast when I first read this aloud, a different podcast where I was guesting. And I said, here's the problem. The problem to me is, when I hear someone, maybe I am just very psychically deficient mm. or I lack storytelling skills. But when somebody says to me, a dream, and it's basically a cogent story, you know what my response is? You're embellishing that to have it make sense in the air, mm -hmm. as we used to say in poetry class. You're, you're, you want that to sound good in the air because you're telling a story now. Is that really what happened? Because that's a lot more sensible than anything that happens in my dreams. My dreams are more like any part of speech can be any part of speech, to put it in a way that a, a waking person might understand. They're, they're, everything is everything in my dreams. And like it's, and I, they don't trouble me usually because they are such a, uh, such a like a free association ride in some ways. Mm -hmm. and so and so whatever whatever I put out onto the under the typing that comes out of my brain, that's 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 the night thought. Okay. Goes in goes in the book. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, in the book. Um, got a couple things. You got a thing. Do you want to? Should we kick off with uh, maybe something that you like? Yeah, we actually have an interesting one this time. It's um, it's a it's another show. It's a it's a another podcast. Oh, that, wow. That wants us to help spread the word about it. Love podcasts. And, um, and so th what they sent, they sent over a couple episodes for me to listen to. And I really, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And that's say, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. You would think I have an obligation to listen to every podcast, like literally every podcast that's made. And mm -hmm. for a while I did, I was listening. I would play them all at once. Wait, and that's, that's the way now you own them all. Copyright. I just put, I printed them out. I put them envelope, in envelope, mail envelope. Stand your ground law. Don't mm -hmm. open it. Yep. Yep. Texas. So in this case though, I found I really enjoyed it. And, and how, what's the chances that they would send me an episode? I don't know. Did they pick this? Did they know it was going to appeal to me? Uh, I don't know, but they're in there. They have the first episode of their second season. I think they still may. I may. They, I may not be supposed I don't think to. You said what the name of the show is. Well, I'm getting to it. Oh, I don't think that I'm supposed to say this is like embargoed. But I don't know. Maybe that it's, it's so not embargoed. Maybe right oh now. oh, oh episode in my dream. Oh episode my God, four. You're promoting. Is you're promoting something you're not allowed to talk. No, about I'm allowed to talk about. Like, but can't mention. I'm allowed to talk about episode one of season two, not episode oh. four. So I'll talk about. But uh. the episode one is the one. This is right up Mally. Okay, so now I will reveal the name. This is what they call in, in show business, Merlin, is they call building anticipation. Okay, okay. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, teamistry, okay. the name of I'm the learning podcast. A lot. I'm learning, oh, say, say it again because I interrupted you. I'm learning a lot right now, just so you know. It's Teamistry. That is the name of the podcast. And <laughs> the first episode, how much more right up Mally could this be? So from the 1950s to the 1970s, Seiko, the watch company, which I love. I, I love my Seikos. And uh, th what they did is they had two different watchmaking factories that were competing against each other to make the best <laughs> movement. The movement is the engine of a mechanical watch. It's the thing that keeps the time and makes it accurate and gives it the functions and the complications that come from this. And the movement is everything. And what it did is they were trying to drive the company forward to be better than the Swiss, to be the best watchmakers in the world. Is it a Japanese company? 
Yeah, Seiko is Japanese. And, um, oh. and they discovered the power of constructive competition and in-house R&D and how these dueling factories can, could compete in a, in a way that they were still friends because any successes that they had were successes for them as a whole, the company as a whole. But creating this sense of competition between these two sibling that's factories, juicy. it's I so like cool. That. So that's the, that's the gist of what Teamistry is about. It's a podcast that tells stories of teams who work together in new and unexpected ways to achieve really cool things. So each episode tells a story and in each story, there'll be these practical lessons for, for you, for your team, for how you're running your business. And they've done so many different things. It's mind boggling. They've got, a, a th I don't want to spoil too much of it, but they go in underwater caves in Northern Thailand to like study how divers and medics and soldiers freed a group of trap teenagers. I mean, like it's crazy what they've put into this show. Um, I don't want to list too many of them cause it's going to, I just want people to go and listen to it. I actually enjoyed this. So this was a part of my sneak peek, uh, of, of, of their season two and it's great. And so, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, but obviously just look for teamistry, T E A M I S T R I anywhere you listen to podcasts and, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for it. But go search for the show. You'll find it. And I really recommend it. There's some really cool stories with practical value for, for what you do uh, in your work. So thanks very much to Teamistry for making this show possible. Thanks, Teamistry. Buck, buck. Let's see. What's the order of operations here? I've got a thing about a drafts thing. I want to do the draft like... stuff. These links were great. And, um, well, do you want to do yours first? You had a thing about business things. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so this is something, and I don't mean to sort of single out the company, but they're, they're the ones that posted this. Um, and they Dan, actually, I'm sorry, are you about to put someone on blast just so I know? No, no. Okay. Um, no. this came okay. out in, in June. And so one of the things that we've been working on in Fireside is integrating with other services, especially ones that allow people to connect more with their listeners and get, you know, in some cases get support, whether it's through Memberful or Patreon or, or companies like that. I've noticed that you added that. Didn't you have that headline dingus thing in there? For yeah, a yeah, while? yeah. You've that's got all these in integrations there. with different things. By the way, I'm not shining you on. I like Dan Fine, but Fireside <laughs> is really good. We use it for you <laughs> look nice you. today and it gets my okie dokie. Well, I appreciate that, Merlin. That it really is. It's, it's really, you're so good at this stuff. Um, it's really, it's really a joy to use. There's other podcast hosts. I'm not here to slag anybody, but, um, and you did not ask for this endorsement, but sometimes people, it feels like people kind of stop at the point nine of something and like, it's good enough. And that's where it stays for three years until they're acquired and shut down. And <laughs> with Fireside, it's, it's had a sense of polish the whole time I've been using it. Um, I think it's worth checking out over. Well, that's sweet of you to say. Well, one of the things that we've been looking at, and I don't want to say too much, but we've been doing stuff for connecting with Patreon. So instead of having to, for example, if it, you know, if you have, uh, if you have a podcast and you want to have something released just for your supporters, you would have to go to Patreon and post it on their infrastructure and have it hosted by them. And then you don't get stats or metrics or really good f information about how your show is being downloaded or anything but it's the only way to do it. So we have a solution for that. But back in June, Patreon came out with a, a note on what they're calling an update on their API. And I won't read the whole thing, but I, I want to read a little bit of it just for a second. And 
and the reaction to this was so negative, but it really just struck a chord with me because I was reading it again this morning, actually. And it's just such a, it's such a strange situation for companies to be in because we're at a situation now where if you come out with an API, if you're a company providing a useful service to people and you release an API, people will right away start to use that API. That's part of the reason why I haven't released the Fireside API yet, because I know that as soon as I do, there will be hundreds, maybe even thousands of people who will start using it. And that's mm-hmm. wonderful. But if we decide to change it or we want to do something different, well, imagine if you were using an API to say, integrate who can listen to what podcast episode you've done. You don't want it, you don't want it to come out and then break. In and month, then it breaks you know? or something. So here's what they say. A dear Patreon developer community, over the past few months, we've heard creators and developers express that we haven't been supporting our API as best as we can. And the translation of this is they haven't supported it at all. If you have questions, if you need information or advice, uh, they, they don't answer. Their documentation is either out of date or wrong most of the time. Oh, it's a horrible, horrible experience trying to develop against this. Okay. We want to be transparent and honest about our plans going forward. The news right now is that due to resource constraints, I don't know how many million or billion they've taken, so I don't know why they would have resource constraints. They um, take a pretty good hit off a couple of things I do. Uh, um, they're, they're making some money what, what, <laughs> for stopping at point What's nine. the constraint? Are there not enough yeah, living right? developers to help them out a little bit? I don't know what's going on. Maybe that somebody wrote the names of all the developers on a piece of paper and put it in and mailed it to themselves. And now they mm-hmm. can't be hired. I don't know. Here's the quote oh, though. We can that. They should have no, taken away the stamps. <laughs> we can no longer actively maintain the developer API with Patreon engineering resources. All endpoints will function as normal. However, this means there won't be new versions, ongoing maintenance, or updates. Any resources dedicated to the API will be for fixing critical issues affecting uptime. Then they, this is the big reassuring, this is the, the hug. This doesn't mean the API won't work, and developers mm-hmm. tap into unmaintained APIs quite frequently. But we want to make sure you make informed decisions based on our transparent plans for the future. The last thing we want is for folks expecting to get assistance from us and being disappointed. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. You know, the only thing worse than not working is it might work. It might work. I put this listen, into the- Listen, you've already paid, listen, you've paid for these breaks and we want you to enjoy them. Yes. But there will be times when they just don't work. Right. So, you know, voice and trotty. So there aren't a lot of comments on here, but there are the few comments that are here are very well written. And uh, and there are people who are basically saying, uh, y'all aren't being transparent. Uh, mm-hmm. This is really crappy. Yes, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And but what it made me think about is two things. On the one hand, you know, there is there is a responsibility as a company like this, I feel, to support anything that you, you know, it's one thing to sunset something and take it away, but it's kind of weird to say, well, we're not taking it away, but we're also not fixing it or updating it or making it work unless how it affects us. In other words, our yeah, own that, uptime. If that were a bridge, we'd be pretty bummed. <laughs> yes. We're going <laughs> to, hey, listen, here's the, I'm going to be honest with you. We do not have the resources to make this safe. But we're not going to take it down. The bridge is still here. You can use it. But, you know, be careful. 
Yeah, and it's it, kind it, of. I mean, it's really it's it's so lame. At least in the case of like with Apple, they'll usually give you like a warning shot of like or whoever. Like most companies will say, Google whoever will say like in this number of months, like we're going to sunset this. So FYI. So listen to this. Um, an article here in TechCrunch. This was the most recent one that I could find talking about the raise, and I was pretty sure that they've done a, a more recent raise than this. But even if they haven't, back in July. They got $60 million in Series D funding. It says um, $165 million in funding that Patreon has raised since it was founded in 2013. I'll put that into the show notes. I believe that they have even received more since then. I might be wrong about that. But if all they've received is a paltry $165 million, I'm sure well, that they could hire... Listen, hmm. they could hire a developer... And pay that developer, I don't know what developers make across the country or across the world, but they could find an affordable affordable developer in the world. Come on, you know better than this. And pay them to just work on the API, and it's just what they do. You don't give, you don't give money to a company that doesn't need the money. The money that you're giving in that instance, you're not giving that to them so that they can like get a nicer Coke machine. You're giving them that because they're in debt. And like the, you are basically, it's just short of a bridge loan. You're, as I understand it, when you're in like Series D, I guess that's pretty, back in my day, whoa, if you were past Series B, you were dog food. But like if you're in your fourth round of like, you know, Beyond the Angel stuff or whatever, like you're getting that money because you are in debt, but someone believes in you. I don't think that's, that's not generally a thing where you put a fresh coat of paint and everything. I mean, uh, change my mind. I mean, isn't, isn't that what it means? It's not like they can just go out and hire a phalanx of people. That might be signaling that they're struggling in a way that's not publicly obvious. Right? Oh, I, I, you, you are probably right. And I hadn't really thought about that, but you're probably right. I, I did find something just now, September mm -hmm. of this year, they raised 90 million from investors. Valuation is 1.2 billion. That um, seems low. And uh, so, but the thing is, I mean, for, for being the, for being the gorilla at what they do, why am I suddenly talking like it's 2000? No, but there is a, a blue shirt, <laughs> but there the is, that's there space, is, Dan, let's be honest. There net, is. Listen, net, net, if I'm going to open up the, open the kimono to you, we're going to need to do a deep dive here. Mm. You know, we're not going to boil the ocean. Mm. Right. So, 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 hmm. Hmm. And so uh, your <laughs> thesis here would be that it's not cool that they're doing this. Well, it's not cool that they're doing it, but what's less cool is the way that they're doing it. And huh, that's for, so interesting. I made this exact point on Roderick on the line yesterday. Did you? What did you say there? I hadn't heard it yet. That's so, that, that's fine. Um, no, but that's so interesting. We we're just talking about like, um, John talking about trying to like maintain relationships and like doing things via text and people are different. And I was saying that sometimes when one has a misunderstanding with somebody, even if it's even especially someone that we love, uh, it can be difficult so the way I look at it is like a lot of times there's the thing that the person did or does. Let me put it this way. There's a thing that a person does and there's the way that a person does that. And I feel like the getting to the initiating incident that caused the cock up in your relationship, uh -huh. we, we, one wants to focus on what the person did. I think the more complex thing is getting to the deeper and more painful thing of like, I don't like the way you do that. Mm. It's not the it's not what you did. It's how you do it that frustrates me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you could you could be helpful in a jerkish way. Like there's all kinds of ways that a person can be. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that's, you that's just a funny coincidence because I agree with you. It's not, it's not like, it's, you could, let me put it another way that I think most people, you know, we can all agree on cheese. It's not to say <laughs> that Apple's not allowed to run the company the way they want or Twitter or whomever. My God, if anything else, please Twitter, run it more like it's your actual company. You're not beholden to Nazis. You can change your policies. Anything, you can take down anything you want. It's not what you do and what you don't do. It's how, it's how you do and don't do it that's incredibly frustrating. Right. It's it's that the uh, praxis, but the like operationalization of your BS. That's <laughs> frustrating. So in that case, like, you know, it's your API. Do what you want with it. But, you know, as Judge Judy says, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Like, don't act like you're doing any, me any big favor by writing this this uh, this gooey email to the quote unquote community. Like, that's really I mean, that's that's pretty disingenuous. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, and you know, the thing, the thing about it is, it's painting a very bleak picture. And as a developer, what you read is, don't build anything that relies on this because the obvious next step after saying we're not going to update it, uh, but it'll still work, is now. Eh, Actually, it's not going to still work anymore. It's going to not work mm -hmm. at some point. Or we made changes internally that broke the API so you can't do X, Y, and Z anymore right now. But the frustrating part yeah. of this is, and also the, the whole mentality is, if you're, if you're making an API for your service or system, what you're saying is, hey, developers, build stuff that uses this API and right. there is an inherent promise in that and an obligation to my employer. It's a contract that's, that says we're going to make it possible for you to do this and continue doing it. And you, you've heard um, over the many years of Twitter all the issues that came up with third-party clients and how they were cutting that off and how they... Dan, and once again, you've read my mind. That's exactly... Not specifically Twitter, but yes, I absolutely agree. And this is this is more of like this is why this is some BS, which is that whatever company is out there, when you I have heard it said, I don't have firsthand experience of this, but I've heard it said that there are numerous reasons why Dropbox succeeded in the way that they did. The, from my point point of view, one of those is like, wow, short of maybe Libsyn, which not even close, like it was never Nobody was ever going to figure out how to make money just being a dumb hard drive in the sky. Mm -hmm. Not back then, mm -hmm. right? Back in the day, that was not a profitable business, and there was not a lot of places that wanted to be uh, wanted to be your low cost, low cost, uh, fault intolerant sky drive. Like, right. That's not a fun business to be in. So, what did Dropbox do? Well, my understanding is, well, first of all, they 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 cracked something with being able to get into the Finder, which at the time we thought was great. Wow, that's amazing. How'd they get around Steve? Uh, I'll show you what's a feature, not a company. Like, we're part of that, you know, uh, all your base are belong to us. Now we're in your tilde. Like, deal with it. And that was huge. The fact that it synced and it mostly worked. And if it failed, it failed in obvious ways. And it said, here's the conflicted item or whatever. Like, that's, <clears throat> that was all, that was amazing. What else did they do? Posposably, one bit of their genius was making a very easy to implement shake and bake, um, what do they call it? Uh, SDK, I guess. But basically, here's here's a chunk of funk you can drop into your app, and we will make it improbably easy to add Dropbox integration to whatever you do. Right. You know. Right. It's again, supposedly they have some APIs. They got some stuff. They became like God bless them. They be, they have at some point become like Evernote, 
where they they also make mop handles and lemon squeezers and like you're just like what are you what are you doing Dropbox what is all of this why why is your Leap. so deep into every part of my computer could you please please stop doing that <laughs> so what do you do though so you want to get big well did Apple get big by like coming up with an entirely proprietary uh, set of ways to connect things no they figured out how to deal with the PC world they figured out how you could uh, I guess through things like Kensington but you know Mountain to Muhammad. You know, we're going to figure out how to be very, um, oh, there's a word that's escaping me, but we're going to be real good about working with other people's stuff, integrating. Again, this is where we get into things like APIs, very permissive attitude about working with others. And what does that do? That brings people to our platform. We make it easy to love us. You get cool APIs, you get stuff, you get things, right? And then at some point, eventually, uh, you know, flash forward years, and now you're trying to get lock-in, you're shutting stuff down. In the case of Google, you turn off all the cool stuff. <laughs> like, the, setting aside Google Labs, I miss Google Sets. Mm. Nobody out there remembers Google Sets. I don't sets remember what me. that was. You could go in and say John Paul George, and it would know that the fourth one was Ringo. That's a trivial example, but there are all kinds of things where it knew what kind of array you wanted here, and it could figure stuff out. But before we even get into like, um, like Google News, but Google Reader, like that was such a beloved app. And they Walmarted the entire RSS app market. They, uh, I guess you could say Sherlock, but I think more like Walmart. What happened with Walmart? Walmart moves into your town. Everybody shuts down eventually because they can't compete. And then once Walmart does its occasional culling, it realizes it's not profitable to be in, in you know, in, in butt munch Montana. And now you don't have stores anymore. And so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here, that kind of predatory, like we get you in by being Mr. Nice Guy, and then we go, uh-uh, not so fast. You're either locked in or you're totally locked out. And that's, that's some lame cheese, man. Like, why, why are you doing that to your people? Well, that's how the business works. But like, it happens often enough and severely enough that I think it's the kind of thing now where you got to be a little bit, you know, fool me once about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I'm not... And I, I don't want to sound like one of those, you know, entitled jerks that's like, you promised me free things forever. It's not, not like that. But it, like I say, it's what you're doing, but it's also the way you're doing it. That's kind of gross. Um, you know, and, and Patreon, I don't see, I don't want to, I don't want to just, you know, put Patreon on blast. But I mean, they're, mm, rent seeking is too strong a term, but like they, they're just like, they're just percentage hogs. They just take a, a percentage of a thing. I fight with, I spent a morning fighting the Patreon app the other day. You ever get the thing? You got to log back in? Yes. Because, so, okay, you got to log back in. I go to log back in. It goes, not so fast. We need to go, you need to go to your email account and like click on this link. It's like, okay, fine. I deal with this a couple times a month. I'm struggling at this point. This is one of my, this was last Thursday and I'm going to get to what's happening with my Thursdays right now because they are not my Thursday anymore. I don't recognize my Thursdays anymore. We'll have that in the third act today. So what do I do? I click the thing, I go, I go to the email account. Well, first of all, it's an email account I share with a co-host and I guess I don't have the password changed. I got to go through 2FA. I got to, fine, security, yay. Finally get in there, Dan. The link is there. I click the link. This link is expired. Try again. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I have so many things to do today, and this is the blocking task. This is the gating task for the rest of my day. I can't go to the next thing until I get this thing up on Patreon and staged on Patreon so the other parts of this process can move along. You with me so far? Yes. So I go to log in. It says not so fast. You got to go click the link. Um, I go through this five times. Every time the link arrives, 
it's already expired. And so now you know this feeling. Yeah, you're, you're feeling stuck in, of, in limbo. You can't move forward. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a state of mind that I'll call uh, waiting for something to break or, or waiting for the thing to not work. I don't know how long. It's like when you're trying to, like, used to be, you're trying to solve, like, a, a extension compatibility problem on yeah. Classic. Or one of those things where you're like, all, I, all I'm going to do now, or, like, when you get, like, a weird kernel panic, like, now my day is I just sit here and wait for this to break. And then I go and see if I can figure out what happened. So long story short, I finally do get, I find contact with support. And I said, hey, I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong here. I don't want to get locked out. But, you know, is there, you know, a way you can give me a hand with this? And, you know, their good advice was wait a while before you do it again. And I eventually did get in. And then once I did get in, I kept going through this thing I get over and over, which is I save the draft. But then it says, oh, no, the draft is actually screwed. <laughs> but then the draft is actually fine. And it's just, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But there's like so many of, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to sound like I'm being critical of Patreon, but I, I have, I don't know anything about how that company works, except he used to be in the band with the lady who looked off camera. That's all I know about them. The, they were in Pumplemousse together, I'm given to believe. That's what I know. About right, that. right. And it's just, it's not credulous to me that for them to be poor mouthing over much. Because I've seen the numbers, <laughs> seen the numbers on one thing I do. And I'm like, damn, you guys aren't doing too bad for, you know, how terribly you're doing. Yeah, right. And that's the it's other thing. It's, it's like, it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like they would be doing very, very, very well. And I'm not going to say that it's easy to do the stuff I do fireside with the very small crew that I have. It's very, it's a challenge all the time. But what we're able to get done with a very small number of people, really, it's mainly me and I have a developer who helps me um, and he's on contract and, you know, Hattie do helping with support and creative mm -hmm. director stuff. Like it's a really small team. I've got Ryan helping with the server stuff, you know, but like we're doing all of that. And, you know, you think a Patreon is making so much money and has raised so much money. But I, the scale I, part of it can't, must, mustn't scale be part of their challenge. I guess. I just, it, this all the time. Because there's, there's like law of large number stuff where you're going to get problems at their level that don't pop up. At, true. With much respect, your level. Very true. Um, but also, there's so, maybe we can close on this. Um, there's so few things that I have any kind of expertise in. Um, but I at least usually, uh, there are things where I at least have exposure to something. Um, and so like, I'm usually like the person sitting there talking to Jerry Lundegaard who doesn't know enough about the business to know how silly what someone is saying is. There are a handful of things where I do. So like, if you, if you go out to eat back in the before times, if you go out to eat in roughly the same, uh, you know, <laughs> like, um, like, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, the same era like Cretaceous or like Neolithic or whatever. If you, within 25 years of having worked in a restaurant, you go out to eat in a restaurant and somebody says a certain kind of thing to you, you know whether that's BS. You know whether that's plausible. Or let's be honest, you often know, man, that sucks. I totally know what you're going through. If you show up, and again, let's get back to scale. You show up with no reservation at 5 p.m. on Mother's Day at a place 
and get huffy because you can't immediately be seated. Well, I can promise you never worked in a restaurant because at least when I worked in restaurants, that was the busiest day of the year. Mm -hmm. And my gosh, you got to cut those folks a break. That's a tough day. They're dealing with the scale stuff. They're dealing with stuff, maybe three, four, five, however many turnovers of that much capacity. You're also dealing with a lot of amateurs. You're getting like the equivalent of people who only drink on New Year's Eve. People who only maybe go out to eat with a big group a few times a year. Oh, dude, I mentioned a big group. Tips are going to suck. Getting that food to go out is going to be hard. You're very sympathetic to that. But when you go to somebody and say, hey, you know, just FYI, the half and half in the creamer here is a, is a little nasty. Could you please bring a fresh one? And, and if your server's response is, well, you're pouring it wrong, <laughs> for example. You would say, well, you know... Um, I'm not. And also, there is a thumbprint on the inside of my glass. Could I get a fresh everything and the bill, please? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when you have even just a little bit of exposure, let alone expertise with something, you can do a sniff test on whether what somebody's saying is reasonable. Um, and, you know, I can't pretend to understand anybody else's job or life, but I am, um, I'm not going to say allergic. I'm, I'm not compositionally i'm not i'm not disposed toward people sending happy talk emails with that long of a greeting something like dear friends and family of the patreon community like i'm already like i'm already a little bit like oh boy here comes the scroogey mm -hmm. you know i don't know it's hard it's a hard time to do everything right now dan it's um it's crazy but if they can't succeed at what they're doing in the way that they're doing it God bless anybody else trying, because that just doesn't make sense to me. Right. I mean, they've been doing it longer than anyone else, and well, they're the 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 joke we'll make on here three times a year. When MC Hammer said he wanted to make the YouTube of dance videos, people pointed out there already was a YouTube of dance videos, and that it was called YouTube. Mm -hmm. They are the Patreon of Patreon, right? Like right. name name the second place contestant. Yeah, I can't. There, there like, who else is out there? I mean, there are other things, and there are certainly people who want to integrate that to their offering. Mm -hmm. But like Patreon is Patreon. You know, this is this. Like <laughs> they can't succeed with it at a time when everybody's trying to get their hustle on. And then, oh God, what else happened? Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was, I think it was, it must have been August or rather October 1st. But of course, when I went in to do the help request, I got an auto response that said, uh, Today's the first of the month, and we're doing payouts. <laughs> so customer support is going to be really busy today. Oh, man. Like, oh, boy. I don't know. It's hard. Things yeah. are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we're going to do the drafts thing, let's do it real quick. Cause, um, but, boy, is it ever neat. Can yeah, we do the drafts thing real quick, and yeah. then i tell you about my journey, my Thursday journey? Yeah. I discovered this through a tweet from a friend of the show, uh, Greg, from Agile Tortoise. His, he and his, uh, his uh, a team of merry men in Sherwood Forest, they put out the, the app drafts that I love. Um, and drafts, well, we've talked about drafts a lot. What you need to know today is that drafts is where text starts. TM, TM, TM. Um, it's a place where you can type on your phone or your Mac or whatever. But that's just the beginning because then drafts does stuff with it. And that's a technical term. A lot of what drafts does is accomplished through uh, actions. And so <clears throat> when Greg uh, brought drafts to the Mac and watch, um, it's wild how much stuff can work on all three. Now, back to SDKs, does that ever make your brain swim, Dan, that there's stuff that works 
on three different, essentially three different like sub platforms. Yeah, it's bizarre and wonderful and scary. It's scary. And it'll let you know in the action or action set, like this will work on these platforms. Like obviously right. not everything can work on a watch for like a variety of reasons. But uh, so uh, Greg also has uh, this great thing called, I believe it's called the Drafts Action Directory, which is a place where you can go. And usually, you know, you maybe you just want to go find a little one-off. It's almost like, uh, you know, like the way, what, you would find a gist or you would find a plug-in for something. But you can go and it'll show you something like, hey, here's a really cool action where you can type in drafts and then it will parse that and send it to, or sorry, it will send that to Fantastical where Fantastical will parse it. There's a lot of these like little kind of one-offs or like what do they call them, one, one, um, one-liners almost. <clears throat> so those are really cool. But there are also people that build out these crazy like systems not crazy, but cool. Uh, like Rosa Rosemary Orchard has one for task paper that's really good. Dr. Drang has one for task paper that's really good. And these are more like action sets. These are sets of actions. And so you can just basically create a whole bunch of functionality that uh, you can then hook up with, you know, keyboard commands and stuff like that. But right. it's a really great community. Greg tweeted this out the other day. I just saw this. I am only just getting started with this. So this is, again, going to be one of those. I'm just going to point you at this if you're interested because I don't know enough to say. But <clears throat> so, um, and this will all be in show notes. I don't know what Thought Asylum is, but something called Thought Asylum <laughs> has put out the uh, Thought Asylum Suite for Drafts. This came out September 27th. You go, you download this. And along the lines of some stuff in shortcuts, I don't know what the phrase you use for this. There's some hooks or struts or whatever you want to call it. There's some stuff you install to be able to use any of it. And then once that's installed, the next layer up is all this crazy functionality. Um, so I'm not putting this well. You go in, you get this thought asylum thing for drafts. And then they've got so much cool stuff that you can do from inside. So first there's a basic thought asylum set, the core. They have a, then they have a set for writing. They have a set for managing drafts. They have one for export, import, share. Um, they have one for, let's see, it's called Trove. That's actions to help you work with and control the drafts app. Mm -hmm. um, one called Power User. Um, the one that I've been focusing on, the two, well, a little bit on tasks and lists, but mostly on the set for writing. And this is so crazy. If you use drafts, uh, and you should, go and check this out. You can find it in show notes. There's, it's, I'm going to say it's almost a little bit like the way I use Brett Terpstra's services and markdown tools. It's just this whole layer of stuff that you have access to that you can do so many things with. So for, for example, like things like, uh, oh, okay. So for example, um, I love the fact that in a lot of places on a Mac, if you hit command K, it knows that means insert a link. So like if you're in text edit and you've got a URL in your clipboard, you select some text, you hit Command K, you get a pop-up where you can drop in the URL. I really like that. In, um, in NVAlt, I believe it is, I have to look, Control Command V, I want to say, which is like special paste, is like it will, if you have selected some text and hit Command, uh, Command Control V, it will paste it and basically create a markdown link. Now, this, they've made, that is one of the features now inside this drafts. Uh, thought asylum thing. They've done all the heavy lifting of writing what needs to be wrote for me to be able to select something. All I had to do was add the key command and guess what it was? Command K. And I do use that constantly. That's all in there right now. Things for moving text around. All these different things. Um, I'm not making a great case here, but I just wanted to pitch y'all. If you like drafts, check this out. It's free. 
it looks very powerful. I'm gonna, it's on my list. I have some things I need to do with the script this week, and I have some things I want to do with drafts this week, but I'm going to be learning a lot. You at least, you had a look at this anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. Looks pretty cool, huh? It looks very cool. And, you know, like I, like I saw this, I'm like, Thought Asylum. Hmm, I don't know what that is. But. Thought Asylum. Thought Asylum. You know, but is it's. Is it an Asylum for Thoughts? Do you need an Asylum for Thoughts? Asylum is, seems bad to me. Like an Asylum isn't a good thing. Well, it's one of those, I feel like it's almost one of those words like a, like sanitarium. Yeah. Uh, that means different things at different times. Sometimes it's about having like being committed. Sometimes it's about getting healthy. Sometimes it's about uh, a really good Metallica album. So I looked up Asylum. That's a rate. And uh, the, the first <laughs> definition is the protection granted by a nation to someone who's left their native country as a political refugee. And then the number two, which has a little note on it that says dated. It says an institution offering oh, shelter and supported to people who are mentally ill. So if, also the sister label to uh, Electra, if memory serves. Not Electra from Daredevil. Oh, but Electra from Electra Asylum. Not to be confused with Epic. <clears throat> no, and Epic again. Not to be confused with uh, Epic versus Apple. Twenty twenty. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The quickening. Can two be Epic, only two one. Apple. <laughs> there are always two. Mm, there is another. <laughs> okay. All right. I got to calm down. Oh God, it's late. Uh, do I want to get into this? Do I want to get into this? You you got a few minutes? Yeah. Is this too boring? No. I feel like we've already done a lot. We talked about Andy Griffith. Do you want to save it uh, for next week? I can't decide. I I I I I feel like it would be overwhelming because it's going to take me ten minutes, fifteen minutes to do this. You know what? You know what? I can make it work. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. What, what is it I like to say? I like to say I'm not busy, I'm time-constrained. And in the before times, that was generally true. Now, why do I say that? Why do I ask myself questions like I'm Robert Evans? You bet your ass I am. Why am I doing that? <laughs> well, time-constrained just means I have to be places and do things at a certain time. Busy means I've got more of that than I can do without being stressed out. It is my desire in life to be... Uh, time constrained without being over busy. Everybody gets busy sometimes. I don't want to be busy all the time. And when I notice I'm getting quote unquote busy, I know it's because of my own poor management. It's because I have taken on too much. If I'm feeling stressed out or I'm feeling, I mean, so, so here's the, the problem statement here is that the, 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 the joke or the bit, the truth is that for a couple of years, Thursday was the day of the week when I did a lot of the administrative tasks in my life, at my house, in my work, at things at the office, but like all the stuff that needs getting done. You know what I mean? Like that's the days, all those little uh, things nobody knows that I have a name for, like mosquito tasks and power puttering. Oh yeah. That's a Thursday thing. A Thursday thing is me checking to see if we need milk and toilet paper. A Thursday thing is me like the thing that I've been putting off about, you know, lubricating a knob let me start again. <laughs> About putting WD-40 on a hinge or whatever it is. All that stuff is a Thursday thing. Um, this got a little bit of a nick in it when my lady started working uh, telecommuting on Thursdays. I could still do most of the stuff. Dan, flash forward. I don't know what the F has happened since COVID. My Thursdays have gotten so stupid. And well, how did it get stupid? Well, it gets stupid because stuff accumulates. Like, isn't that how life works? 
It's like you don't notice that something is, one may not notice something's accumulating until it's become a little bit overwhelming. So Thursday used to be like a total clear runway day for me, and I treasured it. That's when I might do something creative, whatever, but it's all, it might be when I go to lunch or take a nap. But it was very much the day that was wide open for me. It's not, not, not for me to go screw off, quite the opposite. It's for me to do all the existential mopping up that can't happen on the days when I'm overscheduled. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, for the last, like, four Thursdays, I've made life miserable for everybody around me to some extent because, I mean, I, I sorry to talk about my life, but, like, so, like, it's not a huge deal, but, like, you know, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, uh, 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 hang on one second. What happened? Um, Everything all right? You okay? Yeah, some people text me. Okay, so Thursday comes along, and so generally speaking, I've got four podcasts I do plus other things. Like I've got four or five, I guess. I've got so I got three weekly shows, and then two other shows that, as of now, alternate every other week. But that was part of the problem. Part of the problem was that that accumulation meant that. So like we do our, I do my show with Roderick Monday, right? I do this show with you on Tuesday. I have Do by Friday. We record Do by Friday on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Producer Quinn edits it overnight. And it's ready for us to deal with the next morning, right? Jim edits reconcilable differences, and I usually get that on Wednesday, um, or sometimes, but usually Wednesday or Thursday. Plus, I record with Syracuse every other Tuesday. Plus, Thursdays usually are when we record. You look nice today. Um, and then, what was the other one recently? Um, Oh, 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 I had a project that didn't work out where I would have to edit this thing. So basically last Thursday, I finally had had enough. Not because I'm an idiot. I don't know how I let this happen. Stuff accumulates, things pile up, and then you need to do something you should be doing all along. But I usually don't end up doing until I have to. A term from project management, um, I think I'm using this right, resource leveling. Like I need a way to not have bottlenecks and... Is it because I don't want to be stressed? Yeah, I don't want to be stressed. But, you know, if I could bust a gut, I care a lot about what I do. So, like, why is it a problem for Merlin to get these podcast files that he just has to put somewhere? Well, I do the notes for all those shows. It takes me two or three hours to do the show notes for Reconcilable Differences because I have to listen to the whole show. Sometimes I shortcut it. I open Ecamm and just jump around. But I don't like that. I want it to be really good and I want it to be crafted. And I want to do three editing passes. Do I care about it for you? Kind of. Do I care about it for me? More than you will ever know. It's critically important to me that I do the best job of this bullshit that I can possibly do. Mm -hmm. So what what does that Wednesday and Thursday situation mean? Well, we record two episodes of Do By Friday. We do the main episode, the public episode, and the private Patreon episode. I got to do the notes for that because I choose to, right? So that's going to be due to go up on Thursday. Um, Reconcilable differences with the aforementioned main show and the member show. Uh, that needs to go up with those show notes. Um, recording You Look Nice Today uh, or California King as we currently, the current incarnation. That's going to take a fair amount of work. I do the art for that. I do the notes for that because I want to, because I care. So I'm not complaining by any stretch. Um, what I am saying is that it matters so much to me. Like, I know this sounds asinine because it's just a podcast, but I really want it to be as good as it can be. I have very limited skills. I do have to try. If I were better at what I do, 
if I were more naturally talented at this, I wouldn't need to try, but I do. And I want, if for the five people who read those show notes, I want them to hear a voice and I want it to make sense. And long story short, I cannot do all those things on a Thursday well. And so that's what I've done. I, I, the last few days, I've been trying to resource level. And why am I telling you this, this very long story? Because I will wonder if any of you ever struggle with this too. I wanted to talk about how I have been approaching this, the different angles, with an eye toward maybe exposing you to some interesting ideas and technology and thought technology and ways to uh, make things a little more sane. Mm-hmm. So that's the main part, but then I can tell you what I did. Yeah, tell me. Um... So what I, one thing that was really obvious, it, that's just, that's got to be a, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it, you got to move the big rocks, right? You got to yeah. get the, if you don't get the big rocks out of the way, the little rocks aren't going to matter. And there was a big rock, which is that every other Thursday, I have much less to do. And then on that alternate, um, every other Thursday, I got way too much to do. If I've got to record um, You Look Nice Today and get Reconcilable Differences and the Reconcilable Differences after show out... That's too much, uh, setting aside the two other things I have to do that day. You know what I mean? So this one was um, simple and easy, which is I went to those chodes, and you look nice, and I said, hey, you know, uh, we're doing this every other Thursday. Is there a way we could, like, kind of, like, change the Thursday we do that on? Because I want to have a Thursday where I do this, and then the next Thursday where I do the other thing, right? So now, that was a, a straightforward one, and they were very cool about it. Makes sense so far? So already, I've taken like a quarter a quarter of my Thursday work has been reduced and moved to a different Thursday. That's, that's some high-level thinking, right? It's like, what's the obvious thing? Well, you know, <laughs> if you've got an arrow in your head, get the arrow out, I guess, before you worry too much about like, you know, restringing your bow. So that's, that's an easy one, right? But some of the other stuff was a lot harder because this is project management. There's earliest start, latest start. There's earliest end, latest end. And I don't need to go into deep levels of Gantt, but you've been through this, right? Yep. You know, we can't start this next thing until we finish this previous thing. Right. But that previous thing is also dependent upon a supplier that's not getting paid by this other person. And then pretty soon, you know, it's a lady who swallowed a fly. And I had this idea that I can't believe worked out. which I went to an app that I haven't used since Christ was a corporal, corporal that's called Airtable. Um, and Airtable is a pretty cool consumer-y... Have you used it? Airtable? Yeah, I'm it's, looking at the URL for it, and I, I feel like I have used this, and I saw this in the was, show it notes. It kind of went around for a while. People were loving it. I feel like it's one, it was one of those, like, God, there's been apps sort of like this, like, what do I want to say, like, Curio? There's been these apps for a while, even maybe a little bit like Delicious Library, but these apps that are... You know, it's more than a spreadsheet. It's more than a database. It's, it's They're trying to make a very easy very easy to use and flexible, essentially like a, like a database. It's almost, it's kind of like pretty FileMaker in some ways. But I think that Airtable, uh, maybe even more than other things, really excels at project-y, business-y things, you know, in a way that, for example, Google Sheets or Excel really is better maybe at finance stuff or, you know, that sort of rows and columns approach. This really is more like you're going to make a you know, you get a you get a you get a page that becomes like a form, and that form can have associations. Long story short, I went in and I I'll give you a screen grab of this if it helps. But I went in and I created several things inside of this little database. I started off with their basic project management database, deleted all this stuff, 
And here's what I did. First of all, I put in all of the shows that I do because that's 90% of what I do, setting aside guest stuff, other writing stuff, interviews, things like that, right? Put in the names of the five shows that I do or whatever it is. Then I put in the different types of work, which are similar to GTD context, but not really. There's podcast recording. There's the need to record extra things like ad spots. There's the need to write things. There is the need to do uh, kind of computer administrative stuff like um, uploading files or, uh, or what have you. And then I entered in a bunch of tasks with, I roughed in start and end dates. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating to me in a way that I hadn't quite anticipated. On the one hand, it was fun. I like doing things like this. I enjoy playing with an app. So I had all my tasks in there. Mm-hmm. The tasks have a nice little taxonomy and categories. And this app uh, has different views. It's really cool. So there's a basic task, a, a grid view, right? So like a task view that's very similar to a way you might look at something in Google Sheets. Then they have a calendar view where if you have dates on things, you see it on a calendar, same way you would in any other calendar app. You can get in now, you can get into project management stuff like, you know, task pipelines. Uh-huh. Um, and a concept I'll return to in a second, um, they also have a Kanban view, which is really interesting. Will you explain so anyway, what, what a Kanban Yeah, let is? me come back to that okay. in just a sec. Because first I just want to get to like the, the first part of this was that like as with, you know, GTD, as with anything, the process of capturing can be very interesting because the delta between what you realize the delta between what you think is on your mind and what you discover was on your mind can be very instructive. So I went into this knowing more on my mind than I'd like, but when I actually put it all down at this sort of, I don't know, what do we want to call it? 5,000 foot view. Like I don't Mm -hmm. want to get all the way down into log into Libsyn. You know, I don't want to get into that. There's a task called upload reconcilable differences to Libsyn or, you know, or whatever. Right. And it doesn't need, I don't need to go, to go nuts with this. The time estimate of that will be what governs the granularity. When I say this takes 15 minutes, this takes an hour, roughly. You know, I don't need to go in. It doesn't, it's not useful to me to break this down too, too far. But with that said, I'd written down everything that I could think of. So I know, like, for example, dumb, like, dumb stuff, right? Dumb stuff. I need to clone last week's Do By Friday document to make a new one right. with the updated information. I need to update the, uh, the reconcilable differences document. Now, do I want to be doing that on Wednesday and Thursday, respectively? Well, it seems to me that that doesn't need to be happening on Wednesday or Thursday. It can be happening the previous Sunday. Why don't I do it then? Boy, duh, right? Like, mind exploded. Here's an idea for resource leveling. Don't do it all on the same day if you don't have to. But I had to see it visually in front of me to go, wait, that's an opportunity. Ah. That could be done earlier. What about what about even something that's not a stressful thing, like doing the ads for Roderick? Do I, should I do that after we record on Monday? Hmm, you could. Should I do it before we record on Monday? Maybe. Why don't you do that on Sunday too? Sunday, you got a big old block. Come on in, do all those things. That was really instructive. So, so A, more stuff than I expected. B, more stuff than I expected that could be moved to different places. But then C, of course, this is where it gets interesting, is each time I would stop doing this task of putting it all into place to go do something else, guess what? It would almost immediately occur to me that there's another thing that I should put in here that I was leaving out. That's you, when you go and you do, you do a postmortem on a project that didn't work out, how often is it there was something you didn't account for because you didn't think long enough? You didn't dig long enough. 
to unearth all of the risks or all the tasks or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't want to go on about it, but it's just been it's been really instructive, and to see it all visually, um, I think then in that Kanban view, which we can talk about now, um, I, I don't know. It's been really interesting. I, I don't know if it's, this is going to be a perfect formula for me, but I'm just encouraging folks to try this. Uh, you might want to go in if you're having this kind of situation, or you just want an experiment. It's interesting. Dan, have you ever worked somewhere where you had to write your own job description, like after you had the job? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I always found that so. It's very difficult. challenging and difficult. Yeah. It's very challenging because you do the job, you know the job, but now you got to use mouth words on paper <laughs> to like describe what that is in a way that somebody who doesn't have your job can understand. I think you I know? worked at a, that was, a company that was getting a, a sold to another company back before this we would Was this your Asli stack? No, no, no. <laughs> this is before that. This is like the first company I worked for out of school. And uh, I think part so of that- hard to do. <clears throat> part of that process, they were sort of saying like, we hired you to do these different things, but everybody write down what you do and describe it as if it were a job because like the new company that's buying us wants to know what you do and you can't just put down guy who does this stuff. You have to like make it a job, make it a description because they don't but understand it. also if you're it. doing stuff, if you've ended up doing, how can I put this? So it's one thing to end up doing stuff you weren't hired to do. It could be quite another thing to let people know that that's a bigger part of your job now than the thing that you were hired for. And depending a lot on your boss, your team, your culture, it can be very difficult or it can be very rewarding to have that conversation. Do you know what I mean? Because you're essentially going to somebody and saying, hey, you know the thing you think I do? I do kind of do that, but now I really much more do this thing. It's probably equally valuable, but like, so what do you do? Am I going to fudge this and like basically lie to, to make this the job description for what you think that I do? Or do we have the kind of organization where I could be straight with you about it and you could understand that maybe actually I should probably get a raise because I'm doing more and different things than I was hired for. Very challenging. But no matter what it is that we do, I, th I go back to thinking about the days when we had a very complicated setup. When we first got a TiVo. So we had a TiVo, we had our giant ass CRT TV, and of course we had like an old school stereo. And I, and this is actually at a time when I did have to write a little bit of documentation, which I was never great at. But I ended up writing three pages in Microsoft Word, three pages of documentation about how to watch TV at our house. Because we knew how to do it. It was part of the like lived culture of our household. Right. But for, for our friend coming to house it, oh my God, how would you know the order of operations? No, no, no. You don't turn on, no, no, you don't turn on the TV button on the stereo. You have to hit the aux button on there. And like you got to do it in this order. And you know. It was like trying to describe to my stepfather like how to watch CNN and why that meant turning this channel to three and this one to 18. Oh, yeah. I, rem I remember when my aunt came to to stay with us many, many years ago. And, it, you know, she was like, oh, I'm going to stay up and watch some TV. I said, all right, you know, good night. And she left the TV on all night. She just turned off the cable box because, <laughs> right, right, you know, we right, had right, different right. remotes. people leave stuff in, yeah. Right. And, and you know, like for hers, you just, I don't know what her setup was, but there was probably one button and we had two, you know, and at first there, Carmine <laughs> said one two. button, here there are two. <laughs> and so, yes. you know, we like- We still got it. It's, it, but it was like, of course, you, of course you'd have to turn off both. But for her, well, it was not of course. It was very different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's all kinds of stuff where like if in the house, you know all of these things. Like, you know, it could be stuff like, you know, how to start the lawnmower or how to lock the door. You ever go somewhere that has a door lock that's different than yours? Like how many times has, how many times has this happened to you? You go somewhere and like you're used to having an auto lock door 
but they have a non-auto-locked door. Mm-hmm. Or, wow, the really bad one is vice versa, where you're used to the non-locked door, but then you get the hotel room-style door that locks automatically, and now you're outside without a key. Um, why am I saying all this? Uh, you guys should try this. I'll talk about Kanban in half a sec. Um, Dan, I will send you this screen grab. Um, I just think this could be a fun thing for folks to try. Now, let's talk about Kanban. Tell me what you know about Kanban. I know that it was something that was started in Microsoft. I know that it, um, that they they used it there and then it kind of evolved out of that. And I remember where I first heard about it was how they were using it in the Xbox development team. But that's about I think, it. I think it's, it famously started, I want to say with Toyota. Oh, really? Where I thought it started mm-hmm. in micro. Okay, cool. It could be, it could be, but I think in, in a lot amongst a lot of the process nerds, um, it became known as something, something the Toyota technique. And oh, you can read, right. I put some links in about it, but it's just this, I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because I don't understand it a ton, but it's, it has to do with basically starting with the sort of natural cycle of like an empty box represents something that needs to be filled. And like, how do we know how this process works? How do we know where we stand with these different parts of not just a project, but of a process? And I think this is part of the way I believe that Toyota really changed the way that automobiles were made in the 70s, especially. But with, with so and I think, Dan, you've run into this probably through stuff like, what is it, Jira? One mm. of those Atlassian companies? Yeah, Jira. Isn't, isn't does, this a yeah. common thing, like when you're doing development as a team, mm-hmm. to be able to like look at the process of where everything stands? Mm-hmm, for sure. So in this case, you can put like the, the stacks that they give you in the typical Kanban view is like, these are planned tasks, up next, on track, complete, behind, and at risk. And it just, I think it becomes a way to like visually grok where you are with something, especially on a team, maybe now, especially with a, um, like a remote team. But the way that I've been using it, um, which is not the real normal correct way, uh, wait, did I send that to you? Uh, you'd sent me what looks like a collection of stacks that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. So in this case, I've just done it by project, but because it's sorted by order, that gives me the, the vertical that we're looking at here under the project is the order of how those things will go each week. Mm-hmm. That's valuable to me because that's the stack. That's my campaign. I mean, it's like when I'm done with this, I go to that. I can't do four until I've done two, et cetera, et cetera. But for team stuff, um, you know, there's all kinds of different views. Like I said, there's some stuff in notes you can check out. I guess the, the take home for me on this was this was this has been a very valuable exercise I mean, ask me again or ask myself next week how much it's helped. But I think this is, it's a useful way. Hmm. So if you know if you know what you do for a living, you understand what you do, you know? Yeah. Kurt Vonnegut says anybody who can't explain what they do for a living to a 10-year-old is a charlatan. So the ability to know what you do is kind of in your bones most of the time, assuming you're even like vaguely competent. You don't need a manual to do your job each week. My job, is, such as it is, is very straightforward. Straightforward as it is, it can hide a lot of non-obvious complexity. And I think sometimes shaking it up a little bit, forcing yourself. I could have just as easily probably done this with no cards. I could have probably just done it with one sheet of paper. But it was it was fun to do. I'm going to keep doing it. And I would recommend, however y'all want to do it, try this. Try writing down the stuff that you need to do, when it needs to be done, if it's a repeatable thing. And not all of our jobs have repeatable things. But that's more reason than ever to do this. Why is that? Long story short, yesterday, woof, I had some big delays. I ended up spending literally all day on Roderick on the line. We had some troubles with our call. We had to start over. I had to clean up the files. I had to go into Isotope. 
I had to do all this stuff. I was struggling a little bit with Descript and still not totally thrilled with how it turned out. But I did not, I started, I sat down to record Roderick at 11 and I didn't get it posted until, well, I mean, I got, of course, I got here an hour early because that's how I roll. I didn't get it like out until I think after three yesterday, whereas I usually have it up before noon. Mm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So why does that matter? Well, because sometimes you're going to have work that comes up that takes on proportions and timeliness that you had not anticipated. So you're going to want to know what big rocks can't move. You're going to want to know what little rocks can't. If something comes along that's very important to get done, well, you're going to have to find a way to move some things around. And you can't do that well and confidently unless you understand, um, you have up-to-date insight into the sort of work you're doing, how you do it, what the constraints are, and what you need to do to keep from losing your mind. Are you going to, do you think you'll share that thing that you sent me with the the public? Oh yeah, sure. I mean like, yeah, I guess there's nothing weird in there, is there? No. Um, you think that would be useful? Yes. Okay. Cause it's, it's a really good example of how to use this in a non-developer context. Yeah. Well, it used to be funny when I used to be Merlin, man, the kind of work that I had, um, was, I was in an unusual situation in any variety of ways. Not least that I was working for myself and doing nominally creative stuff, but boy, I'll tell you, man, that can actually be really harrowing to not know which, what thing it is you're going to pick up in what way and still have a job that depends on doing that well. So yeah, I mean, like sometimes it can be difficult to do that without getting really bogged down in your own BS. Like I think about like how a team like Max Stories must work. I bet it'd be really interesting. Or like I guess like I'm more like, but any of those sort of indie-ish, you know, groups of like one, two, three, four, five, six, however many people Mm -hmm. work on something. Mm -hmm. It would be fun to be a fly on the wall for how different people think about the work of their team. Um, It does not go without saying I would never just assume that it's all going to go well. You don't have to beat it to death or think it to death, but I think the occasional opportunity to revisit how and why and when you do the stuff you do can actually lead to improvements to your work and your life, you know? And, you know, your work is kind of part of your life, if you're lucky. Otherwise, you're dead. Wow. Yeah. I can't change that. No. Put in an envelope. Mail it to yourself. I mean, that's, you know, guarantee. Let's put this up, Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.